Hello and welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tigercast. I'm your host Michaels and with me tonight we've got two special guests who are going to help, well I suppose, review the round one win up against Carlton and do a big preview in the grand final replay against the Crows. We'll get to our guests. Our first guest uh, has kissed Courtney Cox, a.k.a. Monica, from Friends in Ireland, which I'm sure is going to be a fascinating story. Elton Johnswig, welcome back to the show. Yeah, cheers, Michael. Thanks a lot. How are you? Uh, going well, going well. But I have to ask, how did kissing Courtney Cox happen? That's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, um, I was really keen on this uh, girl from Texas uh, when I was backpacking around the world at the time, and... Counting Crows were playing in, in Galway. And at the time, Courtney Cox was going out the lead singer. So I agreed to go to this bloody concert with this girl and her American mates. And we turned up early and they were doing the sound check. And at the sound desk, there's Courtney Cox. And I said, that's bloody Monica, that's Monica. Let's go and say hello. <laughs> and, you know, the blokes were all going, no, nah, no, nah, I won't do that. I said, well, I'm going over. So I went over, had a bit of a chat to her, and she was really nice. And I just said, listen, that bunch over there, they were too scared to come and say day. So I'm just going to be a bit cheeky. As I say goodbye, I'm going to give you a kiss. And she just laughed, and she goes, no worries. So I've leaned over, and I've given her a kiss, and these massive cheers from the other side of the hall, these four or five American blokes just jumping up and down at the temerity of me having a crack. So I told that story oh, times. <laughs> No, very good. And uh, we've asked you the question before how you became a Richmond fan, so we'll just end on this one. Your favourite grand final moment? I know there was many, but if you had to pick just one. If I had to pick just one, it would be Prestia's goal in the last quarter because that's when I broke down. That's that's when I accepted what was happening. I, I, I put it off. All season I put it off. And all game I put it off. And then when that, even now I watch the replay, it, I struggle with that moment because that was the moment for me. So it become real. Unreal. Oh, very good. And our second guest, this is a, the the two fun facts here are just amazing. Our second guest was once invited to a party and danced supermodel Cindy Crawford. The chimp, welcome to you. Thank you very much, Michael. I feel like you're just trying to one-up each other with these kind of stories, but how did, how did yours come about? Yeah, uh, thank you. So what happened was, there was I was living in Sydney at the time, and there was a car that was stranded on the side of the road, so what do you do is go and help out, so I did. And the personal assistant of Cindy Crawford actually said, oh, well, we're having a party at this uh, venue. If you want to come along, why not? Mates and I, we went. They were actually promoting the 1995 movie, A Fair Game, really bad movie, Gorgeous Actress. So anyway, I'm there at the party, no worries, having a great time. And the personal assistant came over and yelled out, oh, there's the chimp, come over. So I go over in the VIP area and next thing you know, having a drink with Cindy Corder, chatting, having a great time. She says, come over, let's go and have a dance on the dance floor. So what do you do? <laughs> Bust out my... Very, very bad moves, but hey, I took advantage of the situation and had a ball. Absolutely. That's, wow. So sometimes it does pay just to be helpful, like you said, to the people on the side of the road, because you never know who you're going to bump into. Exactly. And it's your first time on the show, so first of all, we'll find out, how did you become a Richmond supporter? 
Okay, so this is a bit of a difficult one, um, a little bit long-winded, so I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. So I've come from a non-Australian um, background, Italian family. So mother and father, sisters, had no interest in Australian rules football at all. But the only evidence that I have in 1979, there I am in primary school, little photograph with the Richmond top on. So from me getting that top to supporting Richmond, I'm not too sure, but I've been loyal ever since. It just happened. It just happened. I'm not too sure. But 1980 certainly would have helped me to um, get that uh, loyalty going because uh, having a nice win, and I remember the day clearly, um, what a great day KB had. Yeah, he's a superstar. It'd be great to have someone like him in the side again today. And onto your grand final experience, you've actually asked just to change this up a bit because I believe you have a couple of stories. So your grand final experience, the good, bad and the ugly. So I what did. happened? Okay, so I'll introduce the good. I mean, the whole day was absolutely brilliant from starting off drinking very early in the morning with mates, um, had my son there. But uh, the holy goal where we were into the grand final, now it was very early on. Um, we'd been losing, lost and slipped over, a goal against, things weren't looking good. But then once Hooley kicked that goal on his left, curling around to the punt road end, it calmed the nerves and we said, okay, we're in, we're in the lead, we're a shot. Uh, my bad experience is the, we're on level 2A. Last quarter, I was celebrating, hugging random people and high-fiving and I had my 13-year-old son there, which was absolutely brilliant. But the problem is, being on level 2A, my son was crowd-sitting on top of the people, so my parenting skill wouldn't be too good or would be quite bad had I not stopped it and got him <laughs> back onto the firm. <laughs> my ugly experience was that uh, we were sitting in 2A, and just on to the left of us were all the retired champions uh, that were on the parade for the day. Also, a lot of the coaches and administration were there as well. They were absolutely brilliant seats. But uh, we were in the toilets, and um, Alistair Clarkson was at the urinals, and as you do, you try not to make eye contact and uh, look away. But we were waiting in the line, and next thing you know, Alistair Clarkson finishes his business, and instead of going to wash your hands, he walks over, puts his hand on me, and he goes, thanks, boys. And I'm going, you <laughs> dirty, dirty man. Get your hands off me. I have even more reason to hate you. <laughs> so that was my good, bad, and ugly of grand final day. Wow. That's, that is a story. <laughs> so you'll be really keyed up for, for round three then, a bit of retribution. Yes, yes. I hope he punches a hole in the wall of the grandstand once again. Very good. All right, we'll, uh, we'll push on to our first topic, the roast and toast. Elton John, you're, you've got the roast this week, and it's one I'm going to actually chime in with as well when you get to the second part of it, so go for it. All right, well, the first roast is a quick roast for the umpires. Obviously, we got hammered, and then the AFN says we got gypped. Um, the fact that we're the first game of the year means that we are going to cop it. Hopefully, it settles down. The main roast is for Adelaide and Melbourne. If Adelaide last year wasn't bad enough that they book a seat for a cup that they don't win because they're that bloody arrogant, I think they can just rock up and win it. Texas shithouse whole works, so, so I'm I'm ready to watch them come out and give something. To be 20 points up with one of Essendon's better players out for three bloody quarters of the game and chuck it up is piss weak. And Melbourne... You had Geelong cooked. 
Taylor was off early with his foot. Selwood was on one leg. Stewart was on one leg. You want to be content. You've got to win that. You've got to win that game. I feel for Gorn, but he, he should have kicked it. But fair income, Lever, I'll pass it over to you. Lever, well, where do I start with him? So if four of us went to the football. One, one was Geelong, one Essendon, and me and another mate were both Richmond. And we obviously uh, don't like Lever a great deal after his antics on Grand Fondade towards Jacob Townsend. But when Melbourne gave up two first-round picks for him, instantly I thought they've over massively. I don't think he's worth anywhere near that. Um, I thought, oh, we'll see how we go. I know it's only one game, but my God, that he put in a shit one. He he was petrified of every contest, dropped uncontested marks, just pointed at grass the whole day and blamed everyone else. It was a ridiculous game I've ever seen anyone play. It's good to see men have got their own version of Brendan Goddard, I suppose. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, and my mate referred to him just, he just prances around like a, a private schoolboy just thinking he's top shit, but he, he's really not that good. He had a couple of good spoils, but outside of that, he was getting smoked by, like, first-year players. It was just crazy. It's amazing, Lever, if I may uh, interject, uh, Lever, it's amazing, he'd be the best person with kick-kick, you know, or no body pressure, just mark the ball, but as soon as a little, a little bit of pressure put on him, he wilts, doesn't he? Yeah, we, we actually made the comment that he would be one of those guys who trains the house session, but then come real opposition, no good. Yep. Look, I think he's going to be a very, very, very good player for a long time. But at the moment, he's at his best when it's on his terms. We saw what happened when Townsend went to him. When it's not on his terms is when he struggles. No, he definitely has to become a bit more of a rounded player. I, I think he, he will get there, but I don't know, paying that much... Uh, that early in his career, I, I, yeah, I know Melbourne have needs and they've got to fill their own gaps in the list and that's fine, but I don't know if he can handle being the main man right now. Um, anyway, we'll push on to the chimp. You've got the toast week. What have you got for us? Well, I'd like to toast the Richmond Football Club in the way they uh, unfurled the flag. The whole arrangement was absolutely brilliant. They included the fans. Um, Bigfooty's very own Kiwi Tiger <laughs> We saw him uh, grace the field Which was great um, As I was walking up Actually the stadium um, They had the flag From Punt Road To the ground There was Tiwi, Kiwi Tiger I thought I'd better not Go up to him Because he was in Quite an important duties But um, it was great Because what they did They included the fans Those down at Punt Road Everyone in the stadium But most of all Also uh, 11 individuals Who have been going Through difficult times Or had um, given a lot to the club so not only thinking of themselves but they were thinking of the fans another good point I thought was that the players have celebrated 2017 premiership this was for the fans so now their mindset is for 2018 and try and win another one so I'd like to taste the club well done I think it was the first um, that any club has done it this way and I think others will follow uh, that example the only thing I would have liked the club to have changed, and they probably weren't to know this is going to happen, but it kind of looked a bit r- weird or ridiculous with like you know a one and a half meter flag on a two meter pole. And the, it just didn't balance out very well. But everything else apart from that was really really good. I, I agree. It should have been probably up on one of those guys and put it up there, let it put a weight, a counterweight down onto the um, little edge triangle of the flag to make it stand out, but. Well, we we'll, must do it next year then when we've got uh, our back-to-back flags. Just make That's perfect. right. We've, we've learned from the first one. 
No, it was. It was. It was good to see the crowd involved. And like I said, the play is completely separate. They've, you know, they've had their celebration. It's time for them to switch on. That's it. Uh, before we get into the review of the round one game, I'll just go through the autopsy play of the year award. The votes are in. I tallied them up this morning. So on five votes, we had Dustin Martin, four votes, Dan Butler, three votes, Jacob Townsend, two, Jack Rewalt and Josh Caddy, and one vote for Alex Rance. Uh, I got into it too. I was really, really pleased to see Dan, Bl- Dan Butler with four votes. I thought he was fantastic, which we'll touch on very shortly. So to the review of the round one game against the Blues, in 17-19-121, defeated Carlton 15-5-95 by 26 points. Townsend and Rewalt kicked four, Butler and Caddy with three, Castagna two, and Martin with one. Uh, the Chimp, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on the game? What, what did we do well? Well, we did a lot well, but we didn't do them really well. So just one example that I'd like to give you is our inside 50s. We had 71 inside 50s, the most of any team in the AFL for this round. Now, GWS had 69, and they absolutely thumped the dogs. So Richmond had two more um, than GWS, yet only one by 26 points. So efficiency would be great, but getting the ball actually into the 50 was absolutely outstanding. They're creating opportunity. Now they just need to clean it up just a tad. And the first five minutes, or sorry, the first 10 minutes, Elton Drum, the the Blues obviously kicked away with five pretty quick goals. How were you feeling after those first 10 minutes? Um, I was actually strangely calm. Uh, I've felt... I've, I've been a terrible watcher all my life, but I, I was really calm. And as soon as we kicked the first goal, our first goal, I just thought, right, yeah, yeah we're, we're good. I mean, it was just, it, it just looked like a freak run to me. And I mean, it was, to use Mash's term, we were Carlton's grand final because they're probably not going to play finals. They want to come out and they want to, you know, give us a good show. So um, they were going to blast. They blasted. They got a couple of lucky ones. We settled. We were right. Yeah, from that 12-minute mark, just to emphasise the point, um, a few posters have mentioned on the autopsy board that the scoreline from the 12-minute mark of the first quarter was 120 to 65. So it was a really dominant display for three and a half quarters. Just that first 12 to 15 minutes was um, uh, was <laughs> shellacking, really, for Carlton's way. It was, and I, I fully expected it, and I almost said as much on the podcast the week before, that, that Carlton are always going to come out and do that, and they have improved, so I don't want to take anything away from them at all, um, but I was always doubtful whether they'd be able to do it for four quarters, and like you said earlier, Jim, our, our inaccuracy is what hurt us, it could have been a massive scoreline, but the fact that we still kicked 121 points, when typically early on in the year we'd struggle to kick over 100, was a really good sign. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Even uh, 19 marks inside the forward 50. Um, we've got a short forward line, so everybody thinks we're going to be getting those balls on the ground and snapping for goals and so forth. But we actually had 19 marks. I couldn't quite find out where we had uh, how many shots at goal for those 19. But that's quite a lot. Um, so we created space, created opportunity. So, uh, yeah, things are good. Forward 50. And on top of that, oh, sorry, just... On top of that, you know, we dominated the inside 50s. We dominated the scoring shots. We were also plus 21 in tackles. So we yeah, were working good well. often, Yeah, we were actually working hard both ways, which was nice as well. And um, we mentioned him, I mentioned him a bit, he really stepped up in the absence of Dan Rioli. Uh, just his composure, like that goal he kicked on the left foot, 
running injury line. He had Cochran on for the pass. It would have been a 50-50 pass, I reckon, because he had some pressure on him. But he just so calmly slotted that goal. Sorry, go, go, Tim. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was just going to say, um, he improved uh, last year in 2017. He kicked, I think, 35 goals. Um, but he's gone up a level again. Now, you just wonder how much improvement is there uh, to each player before a season starts. If Butler does something like that, you just go, wow, <laughs> where is the ceiling? It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I don't think he's near his ceiling. I, I really think I probably didn't rate him. Um, and I didn't think he was going to make it, but I think he's definitely classier than Castagna. Castagna has got a harder body and crashes contests better at the moment, but he's got hands of stone. I think Butler's so clean, and um, I think with the three small forwards, when, when Rioli comes back, I'm not talking this year, but I'm talking medium term, if one's going to make way, I think it'll be Castagna. I think Butler's lock. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Just his, his spatial awareness in traffic is pretty good as well. I mean, I must admit, there has been a couple of times where I felt he was a little bit complacent in traffic, but he's a young player still. So he's going to learn, you know, how to get through those things. But he, he loves to back himself and use his speed, and I reckon that's a great thing to have. And, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's definitely cemented himself in the team. Yeah, Push on to the, the unsung hero, which is another one of our Fords, and I think he's now become a different favourite, I reckon. I, I was calling for him to come in, and so was Grokodok. We were both calling for him to come in pretty early on last year, based on his VFL full loan. But Jacob Townsend, what a, what a, I suppose, back end of last year and start of this year he's had. In his last six games, he's had 38 kicks with a return of 20 goals and four behinds. Uh, Chimp, you, you couldn't... You couldn't script that kind of stuff. 20 goals and four behinds from 38 kicks. No. Uh, well done last year for making the call to bring him in because who would have ever thought he would have been a mid-sized forward, right, and kick that many goals. But not only the goals but the pressure that he creates. Now, I'll just go back to last year's grand final. Um, I didn't notice it at the game, but more so when I've watched it 25 times that I have. But the second quarter where absolutely changed the momentum of the game Two crunching tackles. He got a free kick for putting his head over the ball. Now, he constantly does this, yet the, the opportunities that he does have, the kicks that he does have for goal, he actually makes them a winner. Now, uh, there's not too many other people or players in the AFL that can do that. So we've, we've really struck gold with him at this time. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a case of that he was maybe played out of position a little bit when he first came across. I know he was a bit of a bit more of a midfielder at the Giants, um, but we don't sort of have that full time need for him. But yeah, his goal kicking has been amazing. Yeah, not only that, right? As Chimp was saying, you know, a couple of contests. Every contest he goes into, if there's two people coming from different directions, he doesn't give any ground. He physically hurts people, like really, really old school. Physically hurts them. And I actually think the opposition are thinking about him sometimes now. Not only that, he when he first came into the team last year, he was given the job and he shut down Johnson at Fremantle, he shut down Carlisle, he shut down Lever. He actually nullifies opposition as well as giving us scoreboard pressure. He does he does a job both ways. Yeah, yeah, he's a, and that's why, he, to me, he's undroppable because who else can really come in and do that? Like, he's prepared to sacrifice his own game, but he's also a smart enough player to get in the right spots to, to take a few marks himself. And like you like you said, Jim, he's the man. If you, want to, if you want someone kicking for goal after the siren, he's the one you want with the ball. 
Yeah. It's just been unbelievable. And really, mid last year, I mean, there's a lot of reports out that he was in Adelaide speaking to Sandful clubs about playing there next year because he wasn't confident at all of getting another contract with the Tigers. So full credit to him and the coaching staff at turned around and becoming a really important part of the team. Yeah, it's quite brilliant. Um, Elton, just to emphasise your point where you were mentioning about um, people, uh, players are looking out and looking sideways, where is he? In the 70s, 80s, that would have been classed as somebody who uh, hits you behind play or something like that. But here we've got Townsend who just goes straight for the ball. Um, and if you're in your way, well, <laughs> you're going to get hit uh, legally. Uh, which is great because it gives intimidation that we didn't have for quite a while in our team. No, and I think that was part of Lever's problem on the weekend is he was still looking for Townsend in every contest. <laughs> well, I guess it was his first game at the MCG, so I guess there's uh, bad memories there. there. Most definitely was. Okay, we'll push on to the, the round two banner, so which was once again the, the fade by Cotch's King. And there's some been absolute rippers this week. I couldn't wait for this one. Uh, I'll go first with one that I had. It, w- it would simply just say, missing persons unit. Have you seen Eddie Betts, Josh Jenkins, Taylor Walker? Last seen Friday, 29th of September. <laughs> Very good. That'd get a pretty good reception in front of an Adelaide crowd, surely. <laughs> um, you did, uh, did you have one, Chimp? Uh, well, I'm good at poetry or rhyming, so I actually got one off the board. Um, so shout out to Folly41, <laughs> and as your little um, photograph says, booyah. <laughs> okay, it's got uh, the greatest footy club of all time, close to 90K members we rate. You're the second most popular team in Australia's least popular state. Not only <laughs> did you bag out Adelaide Crows, but you also gave it to the Port Power. The ability to have a crack at a whole state, well done. Foley 41. <laughs> That's very good. Um, Elton John, have you got one yourself? Oh, not as good as that. Um, I, <laughs> I keep your empty plane seat for the cup and your piss-weak power stance. We'll keep the 17 premiership led by Koch and Jack and Rance. Uh, it's straight to the point. Excellent. And uh, booking an extra seat on a plane, like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> There's uh, one, one more I've got here that I want to read that was posted by Harry the Tiger, which I thought this one was quite good as well. You performed your power stance, led by Taylor Walker. We would have been more frightened if you kicked a goal in the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's savage, but uh, no, I thought that was quite good, Harry, so well done on that one. All right, we'll move on to the, the big preview of round two versus Adelaide, the grand final replay. Uh, the Crows, I think, no doubt, they're going to be out for some serious revenge. Uh, playing in Adelaide, the crowd's going to be probably the most hostile crowd ever seen a footy game. They lost to Essendon on Friday night by 12 points after leading by 24, as per Elton John's earlier roast. And especially with Essendon being one player down, I mean, they really shouldn't have dropped that game. There's no excuse for it. But one thing that stood out for me in that Essendon-Adelaide game was the Crows, again, really suspect any time any small amount of pressure was applied by Essendon. So I don't think Essendon were ever as manic as what we were in the grand final, um, but the Crows still crumbled a little bit under that kind of pressure. But I will say Bryce Gibbs, he was pretty good for the Crows. A really good first game. 35 disposals and two goals, and he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Elton John, what are your thoughts on the game? Um... I think the key for us, again, is just what you've pointed out. It's sustained pressure. And now last year when we went over there, we were good for a quarter and then we got blown away. 
obviously in the grand final, we did what we did. So I believe we go over there now believing that if we do what we do well, we're, we're right in it up to our, up to our eyeballs. So yeah, they I, will have so that sense of belief about them. Yeah, I mean, I honest, I don't know if we really did believe at the start of last year because we were we were learning as we went, so to speak. But the the key for me is is that sustained pressure, and I don't think it was as Chimp said. I don't think it was super against Carlton. We certainly need to play a lot better than what we did against Carlton. But Adelaide know it's coming. They know it's coming, so they have to deal with it if we do it right. And Chimp, your thoughts on the game? Yeah, just uh, reviewing the Essendon-Adelaide game, I'm just trying to balance out, was it Essendon's pressure and game plan or was it fitness? Um, this, this is a tough one because I didn't see any cramping up or I didn't see any of the Adelaide Crows guys um, struggling, but that's the thing you've just got to watch out for. So round two, I guess they're getting more miles in their legs. Um Adelaide crowd, uh, they've got a point to prove. So it's definitely going to be hot in the kitchen right at the start. We cannot give up five goals again. That that would be um, astronomically bad uh, if we were to do that. So how do you get the heat out of the game? Well, I guess you hold on to the ball and put lots and lots of pressure on to Adelaide Crows. The forward line will be interesting. Do Tex, does Tex come back? Does Lynch come back? That changes things up uh, once again. We've proved to them that we can beat them at their game. Can we do it again? Yeah, I think the uh, the Walker and Lynch one's an interesting one. Uh, it, there's a lot of mixed reports about the fitness of Tex, and part of me thinks they might be keen to put him back in simply because they, they feel they need to get their first win on the board because once you start, you know, if you start off with two losses, it's not necessarily a long way back, but it's not where you want to start after, you know, coming off a grand final. Um the other concern, well, it's not really a concern, but the the second ruck issue, I think, from last week carrying into this week again is going to be an issue because Cruz is a great ruckman. Um, I think he's one of the better ones in the comp, but Sam Jacobs is probably a next level again. And I know it worked fine in the grand final, but I'm not sure if it's something we can keep persisting with against these quality ruckmen. Um, Elton John, what are your thoughts on the, the second ruck issue given the quality of Sam Jacobs? Are you doubting our premiership ruckman, Sean Greek? Sean Greek, I know. He he does an okay job, but it just scares me trying to do it week after week. um, Because one, you don't want him to get injured. But two, when you've got the the real quality ruckman, it it is a lot easier for them to dictate play. Yeah, look, I actually did notice last week that when Nan Curvis was off, that the difference was palpable. Like, it was really noticeable. Um, I just don't know if we've got an option at the moment, though. Who, who who do you bring in? You know, there's, they've got to be of a certain quality as well, they've, and they've got to be up to AFL standard, and to be able because this this is Adelaide. This is not this is not practicing a second ruck against North Melbourne or Frio. You know, this is Adelaide. I'd rather yeah. take in. I'd rather take so, in the tried and tested Grig, and he gives you that extra midfield anyway, than go in with a half-fit Soldo or, or, or uh, sorry, an underdeveloped Soldo in comparison? Yeah, I, I guess what the, the, the main, uh, the match committee would be looking at is 
okay, if a situation where Nant goes down or doesn't play very well, can you still win the clearances? And that's the key. Do you allow them to win the clearances and then try and have a man back where he's able to defend? Or do you try and win the clearances off the hands off um, others? We see when they play Frio and also West Coast with Nitnat and Sanderlands, the amount of times that Richmond played off them, do we do that again? Because Sam Jacobs is an outstanding ruckman. Could have been All-Australian last year. Yeah, I, I, now that you sort of said that, Elton John, I'm, that's probably fair enough to run with what we know works in this kind of game against such a good side that's already well-drilled as it is. Uh, but if someone like a Callum Moore come in, he could maybe not send a square bounce. I think that's a bit of a different story. But at least he might be able to add a bigger body around the contest with the stoppages, potentially. Um, but it's still I don't know, it's still a brand new player coming in to do it, so it's probably a bit hard to expect him to do all that. I definitely think it's something we have to maybe play with in a couple of games through the year, because um, because long term long term we have to do something. I agree with you 100. percent I'm just not sure that this week's the week. Uh, the other player for us who's probably going to get another big job again is Jack Graham. He obviously had a fantastic game in the grand final against Rory Sloan. Last week he had 101 pressure points and 13 tackles against Carlton. So once again, you expect him to be right amongst it. And I've, I've got no doubt he'll get the role on Sloan. Although if Gibbs starts causing us headaches, he could very well get shifted over to him. It, how important is Jack Graham to the team, despite being so young and only played six games? Or seven games, whatever it is now. Yeah, a six-game player should not have this responsibility. What it shows is captain, captain, captain <laughs> uh, in the future. He's outstanding. Now, when you mentioned there, um, Michael, about the 101 pressure point acts, the next two best players were Cochin and then Cripps at 52 and 51, respectively. Now, double the amount. It just goes to show that this guy is ready for the contest. This is a really big level. Grand Finals big level. This is once uh, another one of those. Okay. We've got a, a, a mad, mad Adelaide crowd going after him. So once again, he's just got to do those things of running back and forth and also tackling and pressure. That's what we need because we need to break up the game of the Adelaide Crows because once they start flicking it around, confidence, that's when they'll win this. And this might sound awful and I might get hammered for this, but against Carlton, I actually didn't really notice Jack Graham a hell of a lot. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I was actually a bit surprised when I saw the stats, but I suppose I might have been more looking for maybe disposals and, and things like that. But yeah, his, his pressuring game is quite outstanding. And when watching the replay, the job he did on Cripps after he was getting a bit more dominant was uh, was quite good and, and really helped us in that second half. Um, Elton John, I want to ask you about the, the Crows tall forward. That's probably going to be their best chance of beating us. They've got, they've got some quality players. I take away what happened in the grand final. We know they didn't have a good day. But if Tex comes in, Lynch comes in, they've got Jenkins, um, then they've got Eddie Betts you know, at their feet, are we going to have a hands full if they all get going? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I expected on grand final day. So um, the fact that... The fact that it didn't work on grand final day, I mean, it worked fine in round six last year. Um, it's such a multi-dimensional forward line, you know, like everyone laughs about Jenkins getting the goals out the back, right? But you've got um, Lynch and Walker leading up, which allows uh, Jenkins to go out the back. And then you've got Betts at ground level, uh 
it's it's it still scares me looking at it now. I certainly don't think that um, it's a lay down Mazzetta when we play the Adelaide Crows. If Tex, if they both come in, we're in we're in real trouble over there. Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yep, absolutely. And we'll, we'll move on to some some of the key matchups because we'll touch on a couple of those players. Uh, the first one I'll ask you about: Chimp Dylan Grimes versus Eddie Betts. Grimes has obviously had big jobs for us in the past. How do you think he's going to go on? Well, last um, time they played a grand final day, it was outstanding, Grimes. Um, if you were to purely look at statistics, um, Betts had a few more kicks than him and so forth, but Grimes stopped him. He got a cheap goal, Betts. He probably should have got a goal in the uh, goal square, Betts, at the punt road end, and I think BT still might be calling to the umpire that he's getting his hand held, but hey, uh, we'll take that one. Um, Dylan Grimes, he does a job against the talls and also the smalls. Very, very quick, does his job and helps the structure. If he can break even because Eddie plays to another level at the Adelaide Oval, if Grimes can break even, there's a long way to us winning this game. Absolutely, and Elton, John, I'll put this one to you. David Asprey versus Josh Jenkins. Uh, I did initially have Tex Walker, but I'm not 100% if he's going to play or not. Uh, assuming if Tex doesn't play, surely that's the matchup for Asprey's on Jenkins. Yeah, I think it is. And uh, I love Dave. The probably concern I've got there is is the mobility. Like Jenkins does turn around and, and double back quite well. And um, I think David Asprey's a, a bit more truck like in in you know his in his mobility. So um, it might be. A, that, that, that is a concern for me. I suppose the, it, it is a concern. The, the mobility is right, but one thing I suppose we have done to kind of help counteract that is our ability to cover one another when uh, the, you know, they can swap defenders around and, and no one seems to look very lost in traffic. So hopefully if Jenkins does get on his bike that we can just sort of swap players around and, and cover for him. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, so who did, I mean I, we've also probably got Rance... With a with a with an opponent, but ready to peel off at a moment's notice as well. Exactly right. Yeah. And Chip, Jack Rewalt versus Daniel Talia. Uh, it's probably the uh, an obvious matchup, I guess. Maybe it isn't so obvious to Adelaide people, but for my end, it looks like that's going to be the one. Talia's a pretty decent backman in his own right, and more often than not, I found that Talia's gotten the better of Jack. But I think Jack's becoming a lot smarter and working a lot harder, uh, pushing up the ground a bit more. How do you see that one panning out? Yeah, I agree with you there, Michaels. Um, Talia would probably have the points on the amount of times that they've played against each other. But that grand final, Jack was outstanding, springing his step, creating uh, so much space for the other players and uh, kicking a few goals as well, which was absolutely brilliant. Talia certainly doesn't run off as a defender. He's your stock standard, stick to your man and uh, punch that ball away. So I guess Jack's got to be creative. He's got to run up and down, create space for other players. This might need to be a sacrifice for Jack and bring Townsend and Caddy into the game a little bit more. But it will be a really interesting battle how this one goes. Yeah, I've always thought when he, whenever he plays against Talia, he can't afford to be stationary because, he, like you said, he, Talia will just, yeah, he'll just um, cut everything off and spoil it all away. So if Jack's on his bike and sacrifices his game, like you said, it's going to give someone else a chance. And even if that meant isolating Dusty down forward, we're a chance to get a bit of a mismatch and, and who knows what can happen with Dusty in the goal square. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. It's funny. I think you're reading my notes. I just the the, the, the notes I wrote for that were you can't be still, and you can't run in straight lines. Yeah, it's it's too predictable. <laughs> yep, yep. For Talia, that's what he wants. And so if Jack is moving but not in straight lines, that's that'll work. And Elton John, on the last one we'll talk about is Daniel Butler versus Rory Laird. I think Laird stepped up a little bit in the absence of Brody Smith with their rebounding off half-back, so he seems to be a bit more dangerous now. And on the flip side, Butler's been very dangerous for us. Um, I'm not sure if they'll go head-to-head directly, but I think they're both going to be vital for both teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, and when, when you uh, wrote this down in the run sheet, I actually put a question mark of uh, Townsend question mark for for Laird as maybe to stop that run out of the half-back. Um, Butler is, as I said, he's, he's cleaner and classier now and he's extremely quick. He runs both ways. Um, if he does play on Laird, um, I think he'll take away Laird's time for disposal, which is what we want because if we give... I mean, that first quarter of the grand final, Laird was orchestrating everything from half-back and that's what we don't want. We just we can't give time and space. We can't allow the cheap possessions. We've got to keep the pressure up and Butler and Castagna and Bolton will all be very important um, in quelling the uh, distribution from uh, from the half-back line. Yeah, it starts from there, doesn't it? Because if he gets those easy possessions, that's when we're going to get exposed in the defence half of the ground as well. Yeah, reviewing the game um, uh, with Essendon, it was amazing the amount of times Laird actually rebounded out of 50, and I just had a quick look, and it was eight times that he got out of 50 um, on Friday evening. So what we need, would you suggest that you have a half-forward just basically defending Laird, pretty much where he goes, <laughs> the defender goes, or the forward defensive player? So I don't know if I would have Butler on him, because I think Butler's so much more creative, but Castagna might be the person to run with lead. Possibly. I mean, whoever it is just has to keep a close eye on him, because, yeah, the ball's going to go through him, and we can't afford to let them set up easily from the back half. But once again, the forwards, similar to our defenders, work as a unit as opposed to individuals, so it kind of will almost be whoever's closest will... We'll still kind of pounce on him and try and shut him down, I guess. Push on to the possible the possible changes for us this week. Um, based on the game, I think Corey Allison Conker might make way. I think Hawley's going to definitely come back in. I reckon he could have played last week, but they just went on the side of caution, which is fine. Prestia, I'm not too sure if he's going to come back in. It doesn't sound like he will. Uh, and Bolton's the other one who didn't have the greatest of games, didn't register a tackle, which based on our game plan, is a bit of a concern, but I, will, I, I think you'll get an extended run. Uh, Chim, what do you think our changes might look like? Yeah, I agree with you with Hawley. Um, uh, whether we were talking about a second ruck, whether we bring in a more a mobile second ruck uh, and let Greg play um, his natural game. So that they're probably the changes. Al- Coriolis, unfortunately, this guy, he just needs... Uh, a bit of time, um, and he's just not getting it at this present time. We've got such a good squad that um, if you don't play well, see you later. What do you think, Elton? Yeah, um, I, th- I was reading, that's a very, very interesting thread, the Ellis thread on our board. Um, and I can see both sides. And there was a quote from Meatball, and I should have written it down. It was something along the lines of, you know, he's always sees rainbows or something, but he's 
starting to lose faith in the in the Ellis in the Ellis train. I just you were, you brought up some stats before about Graham Chimp. I think would you say one hundred and one pressure points? Yep, that's it. Right, his his desperation. I mean, he's not really fit yet, Graham. He's still got the the, the puppy fatty look about him. He's not hard, but he repeat effort, repeat effort, repeat effort, repeat effort all the time. And I know that there was occasion on the weekend where Ellis did four in a, in, in, a, in a row. I also saw him when we needed someone to lead up and he was by himself without an opponent standing in space and not – I just think he lacks the urgency and I think against Adelaide we can't afford that. I think he's the one that has to come out. And I hope he makes it. I'm not going to sit here and bash Ellis till the cows come home. I hope he makes it, but I don't think he can play this week. All right, so we all reckon Ellis for Hawley will be the initial straight spot. Yep. Yes. And yes. and Callum, do you reckon is Callum Moore the other one who, who could be a chance? I know Mopsy wrote this on the one of the threads. I think reviewing the Adelaide game, um, and I agree with him that at some stage we have to try him. But I don't know who the expense of. So it could be Conker. I don't think it definitely won't be Bolton. They'll definitely keep him in. Um, but did Conker do enough? Do you reckon to keep his spot? Well, you, you go, Alton. Defensively, he did. He laid seven tackles. You know, he, he was good on that sort of thing. But I think he had five clangers, maybe six clangers. Um, he just, you just wanted to handball it, not kick it. Um, I think we could. I don't think we will. We could potentially sacrifice a conquer because I think our medium-sized midfield slash forward halfback flankers around the ground we've got enough of, and. Uh, Moore's actually quite athletic. I did notice in the JLT games, he, he moves pretty well, and I think fitness-wise, he's up. He's up to it. So um, I wouldn't have an issue if it did happen. Yeah, I, I guess Conku. What position would he be playing against the Crows? And I guess it would be the half back line. Does he have somebody that he's going to be playing against that um, a specific role, or is it just going to be the freelance and uh, try and drive it forward? They're the things that you've just got to try and work out. What what is the best thing for him? Could we get uh, Brandon Ellis to go back, Lawson and Hooley to to do that job instead? Because I guess um, it's important to remember who is going to be the forward that comes in if there is a change in the forward line because uh, Tex and Lynch certainly changes the dynamics on that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's a bit of a headache this week, which is yeah, which is nice to have selection issues. All right, and before we wrap it up, we'll, uh, we'll get a prediction from both of you for the game. So, Elton John, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for the game this week, including margin? Uh, look, I'm a bit like Meatball. I like to see rainbows all the time, but um, I... I think Adelaide will win. Um, I think it'll be uh, 23 points. Like, I just think with the home crowd, the home game, the anger from last year, I think we'll give a good account, but I think they'll get the points. Look, I'd probably agree with you if uh, Richmond hadn't won the Premiership, but it's amazing after winning a Premiership how it changes your perspective in life. So, look, I think it will be a really, really tight game. 12 points, I think, we could win. Um, we're no more, um, more than winning each quarter by a goal or a few points. I think it's going to be tight. We're very settled. We're happy. 
we can win this game. We played quite well at the Adelaide Oval, as we did against Port Adelaide um, last year. Really, really important that we have a good start, but we continue it on this time rather than last time where we had a great start but just failed uh, you know, from the second quarter on. Yeah, I reckon the, I mean, the guys obviously are going to be very well aware that it's going to be a pretty hostile and hard and fast game, but I reckon they're going to take that in their stride and they'll be well and truly up for it and see it as a massive challenge. And like you said, I don't know, just their mindset, they're enjoying themselves and they'll see this as a massive a massive chance to just troll Adelaide, really, by going back home to Adelaide and beating him and making him look stupid again. So I reckon, I reckon we might get up by about 16 or 17 points, but no matter what, I think it's going to be a great game and it's going to be pretty fiery, but that could that could work against Adelaide. They might get too over-emotional about it all and get too fired up and they might just lose the plot. Well, I hope you're both right. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> And, a, and as Redhead just um, sent a message through, kick straight, please. Absolutely. Um, if we if we get some scoreboard pressure on them early, it, it's going to change the game dramatically. So hopefully they just keep getting it to Townsend because he's bound to kick more goals and points for us. All right, well, that just about does it. Um, just make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and Spreaker and YouTube. Um, and thanks for all the tweets and everything coming through. Actually, we did have, I'll go through, there was one question, uh, a tweet came through from Josh Reese, who is a mate of mine, so I'll read it out for him. Can the Richmond train be stopped? He, he reckons it wasn't a question, but it, it is a question. So, <laughs> can, can the Tigers be stopped, if so, by who? Themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't... Normally it is yourself. You get a little bit cocky. You think you rule the world. Um, We just need to make sure that our feet are firmly planted on the ground and realise that uh, we're not perfect and we still need to strive and you never know what we can attain. Absolutely. No, I I think we're in a good mental place. Well, if if we do beat Adelaide this week, if you want a seat on the train, you'd want to hop on pretty bloody quick. No, it'll be a no ticket for you. Yeah. Are, there any, are there any tickets left? <laughs> Dwayne Russell, if I, could, if I could get him one, but uh, I don't think there's a ticket for him there. All right, and there's one more question from TJASTA, and this is for Elton John's wig, and only a handful of people even understand what this means. But who will be first to six, the Furies or the Wonders? Clearly the Wonders. <laughs> All right, 100%. <laughs> And, and TJASTA is fast becoming one of my favourite posters. So thanks for the question. Okay, well, thanks again, guys, for coming on. The Chimp and Elton Johns Vig, a pleasure having you both on. Just a reminder to everybody, the game is on Thursday, the 29th of March, Adelaide Oval, live on Channel 7 and Foxtel from 7.30pm. Uh, thanks again, guys, for coming on. And until next time, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Yellow and black. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!